You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yesterday really provided Washington with the opportunity to showcase some of their young cats, and a lot of them, really all of them, uh, rose to the occasion. So we'll ask Logan about that. Coming up at about 8.15. Right now, though, I want to take a look at the head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera. Finishing the season 8-8-1, it marks Washington's first eight-win season since 2016. But for Ron Rivera, the head coach, technically, technically, it's a winning season for him. Uh, Not finishing below 500. And that's something that, for Ron Rivera, is a huge feat. It's a huge feat. Ron Rivera has been a head coach in the National Football League. This is his 12th season. He finished under 509 of those 12 seasons. So the fact that he was able to get this team to a winning record despite how they got there and despite how it looked and the fact that they fell short at the end is something for Ron Rivera to be proud of. Now that the season's over, though, you think Ron Rivera deserves to be the head coach of this football team next year? You think Ron Rivera deserves to have the opportunity to continue to help rebuild this Washington Commanders organization, I think it's a fascinating conversation, and here's why. I know a lot of us here in the fan base look at Ron Rivera and his tenure here in Washington overall as a failure, right? Let's let's be honest. They look at it, they look at it as a failure, and for good reason. You've now missed the playoffs in two of your three seasons here on the job, if you're Washington, if you're if you're Ron Rivera in this regime. You missed the playoffs in two of your three seasons. It's really, outside of the win-loss record, which you got one more win this year, it's hard to even really argue and justify any improvements that this team has made since Ron Rivera's taken over. But I will say this. Although we haven't seen major changes in the win-loss record, There have been changes in other places. And to Ron's credit, I think he's done a really nice job drafting since he's gotten here, right? Let's really go and look at some of the draft picks that Ron Rivera's had since getting here to D.C. The jury's still out on Chase Young, former number two overall pick. By all intents and purposes, is a bust at this point. And that's no shade at Chase Young. It just is what it is. Antonio Gibson in that same draft. This is Ron Rivera's first draft here. Antonio Gibson, drafted into the third round. Somebody who was definitely going to be a building block for this franchise moving forward. He is someone else who had a tumultuous offseason and a a tumultuous summer. But he's proved his value to this football team. Him, in combination with Brian Robinson, Washington has a legitimate one-two punch in the backfield. Guess what? Ron Rivera picked that guy. So he gets credit for that. Now, the rest of the guys in that draft, Sadiq Charles... Probably not going to be on this football team next year. Antonio Gandy-Golden, 
retired this offseason. Keith Ishmael didn't make the 53-man roster or the practice squad. Khalid Hudson, though, fifth-round pick at the linebacker spot from 2020. He was one of the young pups yesterday. They got to play some extended action because Washington wasn't really playing for anything. He showed out. He balled. Got to talk to him during training camp and mentally, Kalik is in the right place. He stands at only like five foot ten, and he weighs two hundred twenty-five pounds. So he's a little light in the britches to play the linebacker position, but his ability to run uh, as a linebacker is the value that he brings uh, to this Washington Commanders defense. And if he can continue to get bigger, faster, and stronger, I think he'll have a role on this Commanders defense. Nonetheless, though, if he's not making plays. On the defensive side of the football, he's doing it on special teams. You want to talk about a special teams war daddy? That is Khalid Hudson, somebody who balls to the wall every time he's out there, whether it's kickoff, kick return, punt, punt return. He takes his job damn serious, uh, and he's a part of that gang-ish, no lame-ish, so to speak, uh, the, the, the slogan that Washington has dubbed uh, for their special teams unit. They got two pro bowlers, Tress Way and, and Jeremy Reeves. So if you're Khalid Hudson, being a stalwart and a key contributor or one of the best special teams units in the league, that's a win. And what more do you expect out of a fifth-round pick? Special teams guy who can eventually develop into a starter. If we're just going based off of those measurables and, and those standards, Khalid Hudson well on his way and can be viewed as a good draft pick. The highlight of Ron Rivera's inaugural gra- draft in 2020, COVID year, seventh-round pick Cameron Curl. And boy, I mean, to say he was the bright spot is an understatement. I mean, he may be the best pick as far as value in the Ron Rivera era. I mean, hands down, I don't even really think it's that close of an argument. Cameron Curl has developed into one of the premier safeties in the National Football League. And the beautiful thing about it, his football acumen, his football IQ was on full display this year. They asked him to play so many different positions in this defense, which is why when we saw him get hurt down the stretch here, we saw this defense really start to fall apart because Cameron Curl is so important in getting guys lined up and allowing, you know, Jack Dario to call a multitude of different things because he can do so many different things. I think Cameron Curl uh, and his ability to affect this defense is definitely a point in the favor of Ron Rivera. The other seventh-round pick, From his inaugural draft in 2020 was James Smith-Williams, the defensive end out of NC State. He played tremendous uh, this year in the absence of Chase Young, and it was really one of the reasons why they didn't have to rush Chase back. James Smith-Williams doing the damn thing. He ends up missing the final two games of the season with a concussion, but when you talk about why Ron Rivera deserves to be the head coach of this football team moving forward, that 2020 draft class is a damn good example of it. 2021 in that draft class, you, you draft Benjamin St. Juice in the third round. You draft Derek Forrest in the fifth round. Two guys that you hit on. You draft Sam Cosby in the second round. Jamin Davis in the first round. The jury's still out on, on Cosby and Davis. But based off of what we saw in his sophomore season, I think Jamin Davis is going to turn into a pretty damn good linebacker. Sam Cosby, if they can ever get his position figured out. He's a guard, by the way. Like I said earlier in the show, he's damn sure a guard. If they can lock him in and play him at the guard spot, you'll see this team be able to solidify this offensive line. Those are two good picks. And really, when you look at the body of work from Ron Rivera and who he's selected, 
I think that's reason alone, reason enough alone to bring him back next year. And we all know that the ownership situation 110% clouds the actual decision-making that Washington is going to be able to make uh, in the offseason when it comes to this coaching staff. But it is what it is. Those are the cards you've been dealt if you're Ron Rivera. you got to deal with it. And really, it's to your benefit. Because guess what? If this was any other professional outfit or professional organization in the NFL, Ron Rivera and the entire staff, after the way this team melted like a damn popsicle in the Sahara Desert down the stretch, the way they melted, everything will be on the table. From cleaning house to position coaches getting fired to coordinators getting fired to guys losing play calling responsibilities, you name it. If this was a regular NFL franchise, all that would be on the table. But guess what? It's not. This is the circumstances we were dealt. This is what we got to deal with. Now that we know everything, though, do you think Ron Rivera deserves to return as his team's head coach? I think Ron, like I said, has had some decent drafts since getting here. His ability to find and develop talent on defense, though, very evident, and it's special. It really is. I listened to some of the guys. Cameron Curl, Benjamin St. Juice, Derek Forrest, Khalid Hudson, James Smith-Williams. Year in and year out, it feels like they're finding guys, diamond in the rough, that can go out and flat-out play in the National Football League. So Ron Rivera, like I said, has a really good understanding of how to find and develop talent on defense, and I think that that's part of the reason why he deserves to be back here. Ron keeping this team together, though. I want to talk about Ron the person more than I want to talk about Ron the head coach or Ron the GM. Ron Rivera the person and his ability to keep this team together amidst a one and four start deserves credit. Deserves a ton of credit. Like I said, it would have been easy for this team to airmail the rest of the season, to pack it in, so to speak. Because guess what? One and four. Clearly messed up at the quarterback position. And really early on in this season, it felt like this group was going nowhere fast. There wasn't a lot of positives. Defensively, you weren't playing worth a damn. Offensively, it was JV-like, and you couldn't figure out quarterback. But through it all, Ron Rivera able to rally the troops and keep this team together. I think he deserves credit for that. He got this team to the playoffs during year one of his tenure while battling cancer. That matters, folks. And I know that can only get you so far. But, man, to act like that didn't happen and to not have that on his resume when talking about whether or not he deserves to be back here, you'd be kidding yourself. It's unfair. He got this team to the playoffs during year one dealing with cancer, and it was that that effort that this team saw from Ron Rivera that helped develop this no-excuse mentality that exists within the Washington Commanders locker room. They've seen their head man battle adversity. They've seen their head man deal with all types of situations. He lost his mother this year. We've seen him deal with cancer. We've seen him deal with all the mess and be the, have to be the mouthpiece of this trash organization. Ron deserves credit for all of that. It takes a hero to be able to withstand those circumstances. And the fact that, that he's brought this team back to being a respectable NFL outfit deserves credit, man. I just think personally, when we're talking about Ron Rivera and how good of a coach he is, I think Ron 
is more of a C to B coach, right? He took over this thing, and Washington wasn't really competitive under Jay Gruden in the final two years. It was rough. He took this team, who was a clown show off the field, he established a culture and brought stability to this franchise. And sometimes, sometimes if you're ownership or management, you got to chalk it up, even as a fan base. We got to chalk it up and say, hey, look, Ron did his damn job. That's all we brought him here to do was establish a culture and bring us back to sustainability and respectability. He hasn't lost more than he hasn't. He's won at least seven games in each of his three years here. When's the last time Washington's won seven or more games in three straight years? When's the last stretch that we can point to and say that that's happened? So sometimes you're a C to B coach, and that's what I think Ron Rivera is. Moving forward, though, once the ownership situation gets figured out and once you understand what's going on in your front office and what type of decisions are going to be made, you got to go out and upgrade the head coaching spot. We need a B to A coach, and that's what I think Ron Rivera isn't. While it's all fine and dandy to come in and change the culture and establish a no-nonsense mentality, all, all the above, it's beautiful. But for Ron, ultimately, you're judged on wins and losses. And right now in that category, he's not living up to expectation. Ron Rivera since taken over here in 2020. This is a, really a reflection of what this team has been. Since Ron's taken over in 2020, this team is 8 Nine and one in the NFC East. That ain't cutting it. That ain't cutting it. And I think what's more frustrating for us as a fan base is we've seen, since Ron's taken over here, we've seen two different coaches' staffs get blown out and replaced. And they've both overlapped us. Talking about the Philadelphia Eagles with Nick Sirianni. And then the New York Giants this year with Brian Dable. What's our excuse? Why can't we make the postseason? Ron Rivera, in a snarky manner, Earlier in the year, said quarterback was the difference between Washington and the rest of the teams in the NFL. Okay, Ron. We'll see. Because guess what? This team hopefully, hopefully addresses quarterback this offseason. And then what's the excuse going to be? Because like I said, at the end of the day, you're judged on winning and losing. That's it. You must win games. That's it. And Ron hasn't won enough games since he's been here. I will give him credit on this, though. Getting two franchise cornerstones inked to long-term deals, even though you didn't draft them, talking about Jonathan Allen and Terry McLaurin, Ron deserves credit for that. Ron deserves credit for that, because guess what? It was not a foregone conclusion that either of those two guys were going to get signed to a long-term deal. And it wasn't because of Ron Rivera. It's just the track record that this team has had. Over the years... They have had the propensity to lose their own for nothing. I listed you off some of the names. Trent Williams, Kirk Cousins, Preston Smith. We've seen this time and time again where Washington struggles to ink their own long-term. Ron Rivera saying, uh-uh. Ron Rivera saying, none of that. Not while I'm in charge. He signs Terry to a long-term extension this offseason. He signed John to a long-term extension last offseason. Give the man his credit where credit is due. While the wins and losses might not always be there, he's doing the little things like drafting and developing, inking your franchise cornerstones, keeping the team afloat amongst adversity and turmoil. All those things matter. But for me, Ron Rivera is going to ultimately end up being judged by two things. 
his win-loss record. And then for me, the most important factor that goes into a win-loss record. And that's how you address the quarterback position. And for me, no matter what happens this offseason, Ron Rivera's tenure here is going to be summarized and encapsulated by his failure to address the quarterback position properly. Quarterback is the biggest, most important position in the National Football League. And for three straight years, Ron Rivera and company have had a piss-poor plan at upgrading and addressing that position. And it started in his first year here. You inherit a first-round pick at the quarterback position in Dwayne Haskins. This is a very nuanced conversation we're about to have here, so bear with me. When they drafted Dwayne Haskins, you all remember it was, what, January the 3rd, 2020. Ron Rivera gets hired. Daniel Snyder says the Happy Thanksgiving. We have this long, hour-long press conference about how this coach-centric approach is what's best moving forward and how Ron is going to be the ultimate decider and decision-maker for this franchise from a personnel standpoint. Well, Ron, if that was the case, which we know it is based off of the other decisions that he's made, clearly, clearly Ron Rivera did not want to move forward with Dwayne Haskins as his starting quarterback. Now, the question is, when did Ron Rivera realize that? Because I'm under the impression if you're Ron, right, you had to have watched film on Dwayne Haskins. And and based off what you saw in that film, you should have been able to make a decision as to whether or not he was going to be your guy moving forward. You actually decided to move forward with him before the season started. He was anointed the starter all offseason, right? But the thing is, if you really wanted him to succeed as your starting quarterback, why in the hell did you choose Kevin O'Connell over Scott Turner as the offensive coordinator, right? Kevin O'Connell, the current head coach of the number two seed in the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, that that Kevin O'Connell. He was right here in this building. Yet, Ron Rivera let him walk. For what reason, we'll, we'll never know. But for me, you set Dwayne Haskins back right then and there with that decision. Making him learn a new offense. Making him have to learn new verbiage and new terminology. How do you expect a young quarterback to succeed when everything around him is constantly changing? That was his first big boo-boo at the quarterback position. Ultimately, you know, Dwayne ends up making some off-the-field decisions that the team didn't like, and ultimately Ron Rivera ends up cutting Dwayne. Fine. You're allowed to do that as the head coach. But their plan, (laughs) and this is what really tickles my fancy, Their plan moving forward after Dwayne is some of the worst organizational malpractice you will ever see. Let's hit the rewind button and go back to that offseason after Washington made the playoffs and snuck in at 7-9 and and won a horrendous NFC East. Let's go back and look at what happened the following offseason. All offseason long, we listened to all the pundits on ESPN, NFL Network, CBS, Anyone who has a damn microphone sat and said, going into 2021, the Washington Commanders are a dark horse Super Bowl team coming off a year in which Chase Young wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. You win sixth in a row down the stretch to punch your postseason ticket. Everyone thought this group was a quarterback away. Yet they fell flat on their face. Their plan at quarterback going into 2021 was Ryan Fitzpatrick? 
a 38-year-old journeyman quarterback who had never, ever started a playoff game, that was the guy that you chose to lead you to the promised land? This is why we're in the situation that we're in. Bad decision-making at quarterback sets franchises back. And that's where Washington is right now. They are completely set back because of the quarterback position. And Ron Rivera deserves blame for that. When you want to be the decider, so to speak, and have this coach-centric approach, you've got to fall on every swore there is because you're the one making the decisions. Now, the tragic thing about it, or the beautiful thing about it is, so to speak, for the first time, Taylor Heineke saves Ron Rivera's ass last year because this team remained competitive despite playing with their backup. Now, this is where it really gets bad. The decision this offseason to go out and trade for Carson Wentz and have Carson Wentz be the guy at the quarterback position, ultimately, in hindsight, we know was the worst $28 million decision that this franchise has ever made. But you also give up draft capital. And the thing that gets me up in arms is Ron essentially doubled down on that decision last week. By starting Carson Wentz in a must-win playoff game. Now, when I list all of those facts out for you, you really think Ron Rivera deserves to be the head coach of this football team moving forward? The answer for me is no. But ultimately, the ownership situation is going to dictate whether or not he comes back, and by all intents and purposes and everything that we're hearing, he is going to be the guy next year. Ron Rivera, for the second straight year, his team, Finishes flat. One and six. One and six of the Washington Commanders at home in December and January under Ron Rivera being outscored by 57 points. That's not going to cut it. That is not going to cut it. And like I said, Ron has simply not won enough games as his team's head coach. The ownership situation, though, like I said, makes it all the more difficult to part ways with him. And this is the final nail in the coffin. Eight, nine, and one as your record in the NFC East. Fans out there that were fans of this team during the glory days, you know, when this team was at its apex and its strongest, we ruled the East. So the performance that we've gotten out of this group the last two seasons, piss poor. Moving forward, though, we'll see. Hopefully, Sam Howell changes all of this. Hopefully, somehow, they're able to address quarterback in a responsible manner this offseason. And that, that'll make everything feel that much better. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson set to join the show. We'll get his opinion on how rookie fifth-round pick Sam Howell looked yesterday. Plus, we'll ask him about the other young pups that got some significant playing time for the Commanders. All that and more next. This is Overtime. Joining us right now, though, uh, on the BetQL Guest hotline is former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson. He joins us via the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Now that all the fancy sponsorship stuff's out of the way, my favorite tight end in town, Logan Paulson. What's going on, big fella? 
Not much, man. Not much. Uh, good to be talking to you again in such so close proximity to our show. Yeah, I know, man. I'm surprised you, you agreed to do this, man. I didn't think I didn't think you'd be able to stand this much, Linnell. <laughs> You're my guy. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, man. What are you What are you What are you chowing on right now? I got to be nosy. It's always fun to talk. No, no, no. Uh, nothing. Just had dinner. Had uh, some chicken and rice with the kiddos earlier. Couple of pistachios. You know, nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Nothing too much. Look, let's talk <laughs> football here. Uh, yesterday. Yep. The Washington Commanders didn't have too much to play for. A lot of people during the week thought it was going to be this glorified preseason game. We were worried about the effort and the attitude and the intensity that this football team would come out with. Uh, from your vantage point, you know, obviously they won the football game, but were you surprised at how seriously they took the Dallas Cowboys yesterday? I wasn't surprised at how serious the game was. I don't, I'm not surprised at how serious they took the game. I think I'm probably more surprised with – the outcome of the game. I think, um, you know, everyone was going to play hard. Ron had those guys motivated from what I understand. But Dallas is a pretty darn good football team. They've got excellent skill position players, and they have something meaningful to play for, not just pride, not just the film. So I look at that, and I, saw, I said to myself, like, that outcome was totally unexpected. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm glad that they were able to get the W. It gave us something nice to talk about today and, um, you know, kind of ended that negative skid they were on, which is always, which is always a good thing. Logan, you've played, you know, 10 years in the National Football League, man. How hard is it to get up for these games where you're already mathematically eliminated? The other team in Dallas didn't really have too much to play for them damn selves. From the players' standpoint, how hard do you think it was for those guys to get up and get ready to play? You know, I don't know how it was for those guys. I know how hard it was for myself. Like, you just kind of had to find some different things to play for that week. You know, you had to kind of remind yourself, like, this is the game you're getting paid for. It's not the one on Sunday night that's prime time, that's easy, that's meaningful. It's the one that doesn't really matter that you have to play. It's the one that you have to kind of complete the season on to kind of make sure your resume, your film is good. Um, you know, there was a lot of those kind of conversations I had with myself over the course of my career yeah. during those games because it's, it can be really challenging to kind of stay focused for something that isn't meaningful because, like, there's a lot of things swirling. you got your off-season obligations. you got your off-season opportunities, right? Yeah. You've got um, injuries looming. You know, like John Ridgway hurts himself yesterday in the game, and you know, that's, that's terrible because then you got to nurse that injury the whole offseason. So you're right. always kind of navigating some of those um, some of those fears. But, you know, trying to just dial in and play ball um, is, is the ultimate goal, and uh, it can be really challenging for sure. Yeah, during the week, you know, we were, you know, curious as to what version of the Washington Commanders we'd see because, you know, as we found out, they were mathematically eliminated last week with their loss against Cleveland. The storyline this week then focused to rookie fifth-round pick Sam Howe. We found out Wednesday uh, that he was going to get his first career start. Uh, how would you assess his play, man, against a very good Dallas Cowboys defense? Um, you know, I think he did a really nice job. I think he looked composed. I think he made some nice throws. Um, I think his value as a runner was kind of on display. I also think it's important just to note, and I don't want to sound like a hater, but I think Scott did a good job of kind of simplifying what he was looking at, giving him – one receiver reads, being very direct about where he was looking, being very direct about where the football needed to go um, in terms of his progressions. And obviously Sam did an excellent job making those throws. You know, obviously the throw to Terry, he's just reading one side of the field there, one receiver to one side with a great pocket, great protection. But he delivers an absolute strike there. You know, you see the, you see the, the snap of his release, the, the arm strength, the arm talent, you know, the completion to Jahan on the hitch uh, before that the anticipation on that throw, having worked with the guy very little in terms of actual reps, I think he did a really nice job. But I think it's important to kind of catch that by saying that he is a fifth-round pick for a reason. Yeah. Some of those issues were on display. 
He missed some reads. He missed some throws, as to be expected for a young guy, as to be expected for any quarterback. But I'm excited about what I saw. Um, I just think people need to kind of pump the brakes on Sam Howell as the starter for 2023. I think there's a lot of things that still need to happen on that. Uh, Hey, Logan, it's almost like you know the fan base here in town locally, man. Of course, all of Commander's Twitter yesterday. Sam Howell, oh my God, he's going to be the starter for the next 25 years. It was crazy talk. And look, I was optimistic, I'll say, going into the week about what he could provide uh, for this football team and how he would look. But I will say I was personally surprised at how effective he was using his legs. Because it's one thing in preseason to go out and run around against guys who aren't going to be on NFL rosters and who will be at YMCA's before you know it. But to do it against the Dallas Cowboys, one of the faster defenses in the National Football League, was really impressive. How much can you take away from that part of his football game? Well, I think that was one of the obviously one of the key takeaways. I do think that for whatever reason, Dallas was a little bit more conservative with their pressure package. I was kind of surprised. I thought Dan Quinn would kind of turn the temperature up to a thousand, let the dogs hunt, and it was going to be a long day for Sam Howell. But that's really not what they did. They were very conservative, and I do think game flow played a little bit of a factor in that. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised by that. But you know, to your point, I think his ability to outrun defenders on that very fast Dallas defense to kind of there was a third and five where he outruns a safety for a first down. Like that is not easy to do. I don't right. care how fast you are. How many times have we seen Taylor Heineke, who's a very fast football player, end up in those situations, you know, end up in that situation where he gets hawked down. And uh, I was just really impressed with how quick he was, how twitchy he was. And obviously the physicality on the touchdown run was impressive. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, did, I do think Dallas kind of changed their approach for this game for whatever reason, maybe looking ahead to the playoffs, maybe looking ahead to the next opponent. But, um, you know, they're, they're still fast guys on the field, irrespective of the scheme that they're playing. And I think, uh, you know, that was something that I think, you know, initially I was like, can you build around him as a runner? Right. And after seeing that, I thought maybe. And if you can build around him as a runner, that increases the likelihood of being a starter because of the value add he brings with his feet. So that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on this offseason and how closely they embrace that. And if that's something that they feel they can do long term with him. Because, again, in addition to him being very, very quick and athletic, He's not the biggest guy in the world, so how do you walk that tightrope there in terms of usage um, in the future? One of the other concerns, Logan, that a lot of people had you know, entering this week was Sam Howell's footwork and, and how much he'd been able to improve uh, in that area of his game uh, while he was the third-string guy in the backup. Uh, if you can, in a nutshell, really evaluate what you saw from that uh, angle of his game, like how was his footwork down in and down out? You know, it's interesting. I thought there was maybe two or three opportunities where it could have been better, but I think, you know, on 19 pass attempts, two or three is is probably reasonable, and I think they showed an improvement. I think, um, you know, like the deep ball to Terry, the uh, choice route to Jahan, the hitch to Jahan, you see a guy who's pretty comfortable with his feet. Um, Obviously, he had a couple. He had one missed throw to Terry in the red zone where I thought his feet got a little away from him. Um, He had one where he got stepped on, and it kind of messed up his drop, and and he didn't look quite right. But I think overall, I think that he, he has shown a maturation there. Um, and again, it's a very, very small sample size. 19 plays is hardly nothing right. at all. So um, I think understanding that, understanding what we're looking at, understanding what we're dealing with, it's really hard to, any, to make any kind of long-term conclusions. But I do think the situation, you know, the, the game against the Dallas Cowboys in kind of a prime time slot um, has to mean something in terms of his composure and showing you can handle it. So maybe he didn't blow me away in terms of his technical footwork and his improvement in that area, but he, his, his mindset and his presence, I think showed shows a maturity 
that it builds confidence in you as a fan and, and as someone in me who follows the team pretty closely. So, um, you know, maybe not the, like I said, maybe not the most perfect outing in terms of footwork, but I think there were some other things that, that, that make you feel really positive about his performance. We're joined right now on the BetQL guest hotline by former commanders tight end Logan Paulson. He's also the co-host of Odyssey's Take Command podcast. You can get that wherever you download your podcast. Someone else that was a member of this 2022 draft class for Washington uh, was rookie guard Chris Paul. He got the start at left guard yesterday playing next to Charles Leno. And uh, we talked about Sam and how this was a tough challenge for him. Imagine going up against this Dallas Cowboys interior defensive line. They got a bunch of dudes that they rotate in and out that are constantly fresh. Uh, how do you think Chris Paul handled himself yesterday? Yeah, I think I think Chris Paul did some good things. I think there are times where you see him on a pole, like really sinking his hips and snapping and throwing guys out of their spots, and you see the power, you see the strength. There were some pass pro reps where, you know, his technique's not very good, but he's just so darn strong. He's able to keep guys at length. Yeah. You know, I felt like he was playing a little bit slow. He was a little bit behind kind of the rest of the group. And I guess that's probably to be understandable, like understood because he hasn't played football um, for quite some time. So, excuse me, I do think that um, that that's something that, that kind of stood out to me. I felt like he was very deliberate, overly deliberate with his footwork perhaps. So all those things I think are things that, you know, could maybe be explained away by the fact that, he hasn't been on the field in live bullets right. for a while. and uh, But I do think there were shades of the guy that I was expecting to see. Um, but I really got to keep an eye on how he progresses in terms of speed of the game, footwork, and being able to get to some of those techniques uh, more reticently and more quickly when he needs them. Um, because I think that, that those are the things that are going to distinguish him from kind of a, a backup player um, to a starter. And, uh, you know, obviously that growth this offseason is going to be huge for him. Uh, two other young guys that stood out for me, Logan, on the defensive side of the football. We talked about this as we were doing our in-game show yesterday. Uh, Percy Butler playing like a dude with his hair on fire, really just quick, decisive, making good decisions and breaking on the football well and showing off that recovery speed. He, I thought he played really well. But then Khalid Hudson, I thought, was really interesting to me. He's somebody that in camp uh, it felt like was going to get a bigger opportunity and he was going to be in line for a bigger role this year. Obviously, that didn't happen. He's been a special teams war daddy, so he's making his money that way. How did you feel about the play of those two guys? And if you can go a little bit more in depth about Kalik and what he needs to do to be to be a down in and down out player, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. You know, Percy was a guy that I wanted to keep an eye on, and um, someone that I, I I liked in the draft, and I wanted to see how he would perform. And um, he. This is what I was expecting when they drafted him, a guy who has tremendous speed, tremendous athleticism. You saw confidence. I think that was the big thing. You saw confidence from him that you hadn't seen from him playing on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you saw him being confident in special teams and making a ton of plays there. But the the physicality, the speed, the aggression, the diagnostic ability was all there. And I think the interesting thing about his role was it allowed – um, you know, Forrest to kind of play a specific role in the defense. It allowed Reeves to play a specific role in the defense. And it kind of stymied or, or limited the effect or the absence of Cam Crow that we've seen over the last four weeks since he's been out. So really good job by him. Really impressed. I think a nice, he's kind of enshrined himself as a nice building block for the team moving forward. And you mentioned Kalik. You know, Kalik wasn't exactly making, <clears throat> excuse me, making a ton of plays in the game, but you could see, again, the same type of confidence. He's making checks. He's moving with motions. He's fitting the right gaps, and he's fitting them quickly and violently. And you saw an ability to shed tackles and butt up guards and 
run to space and get his hands on tight ends. So uh, I think that was probably the most impressive thing is he, he, he kind of went from like a JV player right. to a varsity player just in terms of demeanor, right? Just right. in terms of, you know, hey, I got a matchup with C.D. Lamb on in the seam versus Tampa 2. Let me run with this dude. And you could, you could just see the athleticism, see the speed, while also seeing the power and the physicality on the early downs. So I was really impressed with him because he really looked like like he belonged, you know? And I think for a guy that, like you said, in training camp was getting an interesting opportunity that he didn't capitalize on, especially yeah. in the preseason. He kind of looked like the antithesis of this, a guy who wasn't very confident, who was moving slowly, who, who, who didn't have that same type of competitive edge to him. It was really, really nice to see Kalik play that way. And I think it's really telling because Ron in his post game said, you know, he, he played like he practiced. And when you watch practice, even now, Kalik's playing with his hair on fire. And he's one of he's almost unblockable in practice. So to see him take that confidence from practice, from training camp, from the offseason program, and finally be able to apply that between the white lines was really exciting for me and exciting for a young man who's been around the organization for a while and I think deserves all the accolades he can get. Logan, we just mentioned a couple of young guys, you know, who got their opportunity. It is just one game though. How are they able to build on this from your vantage point? Like if you were in this predicament and you're going back and you're getting ready for the offseason, how much stock do you take in that Week 18 performance? Well, I think it shows you, man. It's, it shows you something about the team. It shows you something about the character of the team. And I think it shows you that they are capable of beating good football teams when things are correct. And I think it shows you the pieces that they have and the depth that they have. You know, a guy that we talked a lot about in our pregame show is John Widgeway. I mean, yeah. he looked – absolutely unblockable at points of that game. Then you get Benny, the backup, number 79, playing hard. Like, for them to have that kind of depth, the rotational depth, Casey Tuhill making plays, FAL Bottom making plays along the defensive line. Then you get, you know, Mayo, you get Kalik, you get all these, the, the linebacker depth kind of showed up. Then we mentioned the safeties already. You get uh, Danny Johnson playing really well on the outside. You see the pieces, especially defensively, to make you say, Wow, like even if there is a defensive regression next year, which there probably will, I hate to break that to fans, but defense is very hard to keep sustained. But you like the pieces that they've assembled there. It's almost, I don't say ready to win now, but it's very, very close, maybe a cornerback away. And then offensively, you say, look at the receivers, look at the depth at running back, look at the, look at the potential at the quarterback position. And I think it says this is something we can build around. Imagine if we were able to add an elite tackle an elite secondary piece, right. maybe a guard in the later round that is going to fill out this roster and, and give us something pretty spectacular. I mean, look at a great, a perfect example of this is the Kansas City Chiefs from two years ago. They had their offensive line was all banged up and they kind of said never again. Now they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL and coral, like, um, and by correlation, one of the best offenses in the league. So right. that's kind of why I think where they're at right now in terms of team building is they're, they're a couple pieces away. I mean, even last offseason, you know, it's like, oh, they need linebacker they need secondary they need all these elements right and right. to be here now and saying well we really need offensive linemen we really need to extend Deron Payne and we need to kind of find a, a solid answer at the court at the uh, quarterback spot and you say wow that's a really good spot to be in and I think this game kind of shows that yeah. uh and 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 it's nice to kind of again as a as something that they can kind of carry into the offseason and say wow remember that when we had against Dallas remember how we played in that game so I do think it is significant and I know a lot of fans uh, might not see it that way, but having been on teams that, that win that last game, especially against a division rival, um, it, it can be meaningful for sure. Logan, I'll let you go on this, my man. Final game of the season. We all know quarterback uh, is really the most important position that they must figure out and solve this offseason. 
If you could put your general manager hat on for a second, Logan, if you were the GM of this football team, God forbid, right? <laughs> how would you atta- how would you attack this offseason specifically trying to upgrade a quarterback? Yeah, I think um, you know, I think it really depends on where you lie, uh, where, where you fall on the Sam Howell line. You know, if you think Sam's going to be the starter, I think that's uh, that's an insane perspective. But I do think you need to bring in some type of veteran to compete right. with him, and it can't well, be Logan, Taylor not, not to cut you off. For, not not to cut you off here. You're you're in that building a lot. I mean, we heard yeah. during the week some of the comments about you know his readiness after the game and, and talking to some people. Like, are they are they drinking the Sam Howell Kool Aid? Do they feel like? He has a legit shot to come in here and compete next year? I mean, you know, today was the first day back until they were next interview, so I haven't really had the opportunity to talk to people about Sam specifically, but the general vibe was very positive about him, and I think you see see the potential. And potential in the NFL and and for talent evaluators is a very dangerous word because it means something has not been actualized or something that may not be actualized. So, yeah, the potential for him to be the starter is there, but can he – take the steps this offseason, can he mature, can he develop in this offense so that he's there and he's making plays and he's balling. And that, to me, is the big outlying question because you need, and you need to insulate yourself against that, right? You need to make sure you bring in um, you know, a veteran quarterback. And then there's also the possibility when you're picking at 16 that one of those top three guys falls to you by yeah. chance, right? Or, or, or the kid from Florida or the kid from Stanford is available when you're picking at 16. And do you say that guy gives us a better opportunity to grow and change this offense? And then if that does happen, then Sam's probably the two and you bring Taylor in to compete for the, for the third spot. So I think those are all interesting decisions and interesting dynamics uh, around this team. Uh, but they're going to have a lot of decisions and a lot of self-evaluation to do. And the crazy thing about it, Linnell, is it has to be done off of 19 plays, yeah, which is that's not wrong. a big sample size. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully they're able to lean on you know, their knowledge from, from during the season uh, and seeing how he prepares and, and trusting that that's something that will continue uh, during the offseason. He'll continue to grow. I appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Linnell, thanks for having me on, buddy. All right, but that is Logan Paulson, former Commanders tight end and the co-host of Odyssey's Take Command podcast with uh, him and Craig Hoffman. Make sure you download the Take Command podcast wherever you get your podcast. One of the best uh, Commanders podcasts in the game right now, and not just Commanders podcast, overall NFL podcast. You want to talk about high-knowledge, in-depth football conversation. Logan Paulson and Craig Hoffman provide that for you a couple times a week with Odyssey's Take Command podcast. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Our biggest surprises and disappointments of the 2022 Washington Commanders season. I'll tell you what I think next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.